What's going on, everybody? It's uh, another episode of Culture Connectors. Pablo Wu on the line. Hyende on the line. Yeah, and uh, today, actually, today will be a little bit shorter of an episode because um, our old recording equipment, they started doing like the pricing plan thing. So we had to do a quick Zoom session. I think, you know, they're stingy, so they'll only give you like 40 minutes. Um, and as you can hear, you know, I've been dealing with the flu this week. You know, it's a around that time of the year. So, you know, get your elderberry, elderberry gummies, your soursop, your apple cider vinegar gummies, whatever it is, because, um, you know, stuff is going around. But anyway, let's, uh, let's kick it off. I'll, I'll start this episode and then, uh, you know, the lovely Kai will kind of wrap it up with his questions. Um, but these were from last week that I didn't get to touch upon. So the first topic we're going to talk about is like hiring trends still. Um, so my first question for you, um, or not even question, but, you know, just thought, you know, topic. So recently I read that companies are hiring new hires less than they were before, which, um, you know, for anyone who's had a job, you know, usually you job hop because the new company puts a budget um, that's higher for new hires, but now it doesn't seem that they're doing that. Um, so what do you think about that? And the reason they're doing this is because during the frenzied hiring that they did during the pandemic, um, you know, they were kind of taking on anybody, but now not really doing that. So what are your thoughts? I think I touched upon it last week. Um, I may have said briefly that I think jobs will hire anybody. I may have made a jest or something saying that jobs will take most people, even if they fail the background check, which was definitely hyperbolic. But mm-hmm. um, uh, how do I feel about it? I, I, I've been working this one job I've had for the last four-ish years. And I've only tried to supplement the income with one or two other things. And I got hired pretty swiftly. But I actually, I can attest to um, that the job market seems very scarce for people with specific skills. So most of my skills lie in audio engineering. Um, I'm not avid in Pro Tools, no pun intended for those who know about Pro Tools. Um, But I think... The door is open for most people who are willing to take lower pay, i.e. internships, um, grunt work here and there. But maybe you could speak on your experience more so about IT stuff or, or any more specialized things in that, that, that field. Yeah, well, I mean, another two tenets that I was going to mention is in the article, it said companies know that they can pay less. Um, so I think that's just a shift in um the the power is kind of going back in the hand of the employer now they realize you know uh well for one the recession is looming um you know we don't know when it's going to hit but we know it's going to hit and you know with all the data and stuff it has to lag a little bit and then it kind of hits everybody out of nowhere but probably at some point next year you know so there's that so companies know they can they can pay less another thing that i noticed too is it's not even just a quote-unquote white-collar jobs you know the, the office jobs and um, you know, IT or business analysts or whatever. It's even blue collar roles where this is happening too. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but in any case, um, tech is really like, it's a, it's a field of its own. So it's not really a good metric to use. Tech is like just difficult kind of no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell this story all the time to, you know, friends and family that um, I was uh, applying to this one job and it was way above my you know, expertise. Um, but the guy was like, you know, if you had just one more year of experience and you did, and I had zero, he was like, I would have just taken you under my wing. But, you know, I kind of need you at like a little bit of a baseline, you know, you know, hit the ground running to a certain degree. 
and he has five degrees. I think he had two bachelors and three masters. And he said, despite all that, because um, well, he's the chief like uh, information technology officer or something. So I mean, you know, he's high up. But he was like, despite all that, I wouldn't have even gotten my entry level job if I didn't know somebody. Dang. Um, so I think, um, you know, that that still rings true in the job world. Like, you know, who you know really goes a lot farther than what you know. I mean, we see it all the time, even in politics. You know, some you know, oh, this is my man's from middle school. You know, now he's the secretary of defense. <laughs> I am, you know, so. Right, right. Where's his qualification though? But yeah, that goes out the window. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, for right now, yeah, I think it's, it's weird. It's like I hear, I go on LinkedIn or something and I hear, oh, it's tough to find a job. And then I'll see other people um, shout out um, R slash overemployed on Reddit where, you know, people got two, three jobs. So, you know, I think it's just the normal balance of everything, you know, the small percentage are, you know, um, you know, doing better than the, you know, the vast majority. There's, you know, the inequality there. Let's um, pee, wait, before you get into your next question, let's piggyback off that overemployed thing. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the whole two or three jobs thing? And do you think that it's, or how manageable do you think it is for someone below the age of like, 40, 45 with like three kids are going to take care of. Yeah. So the thing is, um, and this is what the pandemic kind of highlighted. Um, and I have other friends who are remote as well that can attest to this. Like depending on the job, like a project, project manager is one that I know that a lot of R slash overemployed do. And even in IT, um, IT is, is a defensive in its nature. So you're only, you know, really needed unless you have an attack or some sort of threat going on. And mm-hmm. same with project managers. If everyone's doing their thing, you don't really have much to say. You're just trying to get updates and, you know, update the client. So those jobs, there's a lot of downtime. At my job, I can say this, you know, there's times I'm doing the same thing I'd be doing at home, just at work. You know, I'm on YouTube, I'm learning something, this, that, and the third. But, you know, on the off, you know, there's been times I've gone into work and I've, like, after, you know, I'll go in seven, eight in the morning after like 9 a.m., not a single call, not a single ticket, nothing. And I'm just like, I could have been home doing this. So for those kind of jobs where when it's on, it's on. But when there's nothing, there's nothing. It's perfect for that. So it's, it's kind gotcha, of like gotcha. anything else where it's like, you know, you have your your peaks and your valleys. Um, you know, there's times where you're like, dang, I wish I didn't have three jobs. But then you see, you know, that paycheck and you're like, oh, and especially the weeks where you're not doing anything. You're like, yo, I get paid to like, yeah, sit on my ass. Like. Yeah, of course. So, so I see. So you're saying it's, it's so for people with more flexible positions, it makes a lot more sense than doing. Yeah, like, definitely. The, the 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 position definitely has an effect on it. I wouldn't. You can't be three CEOs someplace. You wouldn't. You can't split your personality like that and have enough time. Or you can't like be like. Um, you can't do like two blue collar jobs that require you to be present for yeah, eight hour right. shifts every day for seven days a week. That you can do software engineering as well. You know, um, a lot of software engineers at the big companies, like, you know, they have a lot of downtime, too, because they're just refactoring the code from the code base. So, you know, they're not doing anything grandiose or whatever. Um, You know, a lot of people, they'll, you know, they code for whatever company and then they do freelancing on the side, too. So definitely depends. You need a a remote eligible position, I would say. Understood. All right. You can carry on with the next question. Yeah. So the next thing I want to bring up was um, so Black Friday. broke records. I think it was 10 billion that they spent um, this past Black Friday. So um, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, what, what do you think, you know, we're going through people's minds, you know, considering the precarious state of the economy, and, you know, the, you know, where people are at, you know. 
that 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 seems kind of counterintuitive to what I saw on social media. Mm-hmm. There was this this um this meme where it was like uh Black Friday in the nineties versus Black Friday twenty twenty three, and you had a whole bunch of people mobbing stores, department stores, and then there was of a uh the juxtaposition was a empty parking lot outside of Walmart or Target or something. Mm-hmm. I think hearing that that just shows the 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 paradigm shift at to where or to where people are consuming most of the things nowadays mm-hmm. so it seems like most things are being purchased online and gets getting delivered to stores uh, uh doorsteps i um i mean I'm, I'm staying with my uncle right now and i mean the way uh these amazon packages come into this 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 edifice are or astounding you know it's like and it's it's a, it's a multifamily home so we get like three deliveries per person in the house every day yeah that's that's heads yeah it's heads so um i guess my thought process is people are still consuming people will always consume um yeah i mean i don't really have much to say i'm i'm not really a giant consumer as of right now even before when I was um, a little more up than I am now, the only thing I really bought was music stuff and stuff for music. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, I don't know. I mean, respectfully, it probably shows a decline in our civilization. Like, why are we still buying so much stuff yeah. for what? You know, it's like... And especially now where like people are aware of the marketing tactics. They're aware of, you know, not to... Not to ruin anybody's kids, you know, but like Christmas is legitimately just a, it's a capitalistic holiday. Like, I mean, there's probably some divine, you know, illusions and whatever with St. Nicholas, et cetera, but it's purely just for capitalism and getting away to, you know, for people to spend money and everything like that. I yeah. mean, deals and things like that. So I guess like you are, you know, maybe making a profit or, you know, spending less than you would initially. But I mean, the companies are still reaping the benefits no matter what. The only, in that same breath, the only holiday I think really, makes sense is like thanksgiving yeah because i mean that was a holiday before and it's a and i mean christmas is kind of antiquated too but i mean it makes sense that the native americans had a feast i don't know but it doesn't seem very as 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 capitalistic as most things in yeah, in, in, uh, I mean, in Western I mean, society. I if you if you want to, you know, do the biblical thing, you know, it's you know celebrating gluttony or whatever. But <laughs> I, think, I think that's I think that's why like you know, for my Thanksgivings generally, um, and I think I think a lot of things people too is people have decoupled it from the Native Americans and um, pilgrims thing because they're like, listen, that was a genocide, you know, you know, through and through. So like, we don't really care about that. We're just using this as a time to you know be with family. Right, right. About that aspect too. So, I mean, some people are still like, oh, but you know, you're still giving it energy in a way, blah, blah, blah. You should be with your family anyway. I'm like, okay, fine, you know. But, um, yeah, and the whole, and the whole thing, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. Um, the whole thing about, um, I guess, a lot of the capitalistic holidays, especially with the, with the, with the upsurge of like Timu and, and Sheen and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just it's just destroying the planet. I'm not really a big products. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a green thumb haver, but like, I mean, when I when I I hear about like more than we like even could possibly need or have the space for. Yeah, that's that's a 
the big caveat. And I, I saw this video once about how um, Zara and uh, Sheen and, and, and all these other fast fashion retailers deal with their um, return product and defective products. Mm-hmm. They don't even repurpose them. They just throw them out and they, they become did. waste and it's not decomposable at all. And it's just like, yeah. no, wow. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of big business, um, your favorite store that you just mentioned, Amazon, is oh, yeah. uh, they're offering healthcare now for $9 a month. How do we feel about that? <laughs> healthcare, like for employees or just like... Oh, like you can like, hey, you know, um, I need to get healthcare and like, you know, like personal healthcare or, you know, companies could probably sign up and do healthcare through Amazon where, yeah, it would be $9 a month for you. I mean, they already have the delivery thing down, you know, so getting you your medicine, probably the second you click the button, you know, it's probably, you know, a drone is on the way to your house or whatever. Um, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the doctor portion about like the, the, um, you know, telehealth and actually going to see a doctor. But I think if I, if I had to guess, I think this is mostly just for prescription um, delivery. Um, but let me double check, you know, while you, you know, give your thoughts on it. I'm I'm for that actually. Now, let me put devil's advocate for a second. From what I know about emerging markets and how they help um those big businesses, I know that when well, I don't know, I've heard it somewhere. I mean, what do we really know, right? Mm-hmm. But I heard that when Bill Gates was starting Amazon, not Amazon, when Bill Gates was starting Microsoft, he had a whole bunch of people who helped with his emerging market. Mm-hmm. And um once he became the uh, multi-billionaire mogul that he is today, he went back to all those places that assisted in his uprising, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. And um, I guess uh, divided his philanthropic efforts in those places. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's not really malicious in any sense, but I think in that same breath, maybe Bezos has some um, people he has to return favors to or whatever the case may be yeah. that makes him implement this thing. But like I said, I'm for it because $9 a month is cheap. Grandma and grandpa can't always go to the doctor. And then... Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the caveat that I just said. So yeah. he bought One Medical, which is a, a boutique primary healthcare chain. Um, so they do have in-office. I just checked, like you can, you know, same day, next day appointments, whatever. And then obviously the medicine delivery. So it's $99 a year um for prime members so you already have to have prime so he's like double filling his pocket because like i think what prime per year is already 99 but then also you get health care for 99 dollars a year like that's really that's really hard to say yeah yeah and yeah like it's 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 that that it's also hard to find any drawback for the the median consumer i mean it's not like I mean, the stuff behind the curtain, the people with the big bucks deal with the stuff behind the curtain. I think for the layman, yeah, $99 a year. And you're already, I mean, I'd mean, I, I, I like to see the statistics, but I think a large population of the U.S. and the West are already prime members. So, yeah. I mean, no, yeah. Um, and then, all right, so my last tidbit before I hand it off to you is these are skills people need. Actually, no, two-parter. Uh, skills people need for the future. Um, entrepreneurship in the metaverse. I'm going to skip over that because right now NFTs and all that stuff is not doing too hot. So right, right. Go. Um, 
first skill I thought was interesting was ethics and AI. Ethics and AI for the future? Yeah. So that's a skill that people will need for the future. So I guess in terms of using AI and whatever, um, using it in an ethical manner, assumedly, you know, where, you know, you're not building algorithms for world domination or, you know, if, if it acts out of order, you know, you can control it sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the first skill that I thought was interesting. Um, so extrapolate on that. You know, how do you, how do you feel about that? You know, um, I mean, you're, you're by AI, so. yeah, I mean, I would like for you to, to, to revisit that after I give my little tidbit, but, um, ethics and AI skills for the future. I think AI in and of itself is already a very important skill to have. I was at work yesterday and I saw um, one of my coworkers using chat GPT for whatever godforsaken reason, but excuse me, I wanted to give her the, the super prompt we found on Twitter that one time, but I was like, no, nah, I mean, just it's not the time and the place right now. But um, ethically, um, I still think it's the Wild West in AI. Like most things that are uh, hot topics on the internet, um, it's, it's becoming more refined and definitely more tools to be used. Um, ethically, I think the biggest issue that I've heard of in the last six-ish months have been, six months to a year have been just people using it for essays and stuff. And teachers say that they found ways to um, know if it's written with chat GPT, but that's cap. Um, but I will say ethically for like world domination, um, the government has ways to, to implement stops into people's computers in their own house. Mm -hmm. They can tap into your phone whenever they want to. So I think if there was some meat in his room somewhere, you know, trying to um, brainwash all the women in the world or something, or like some mass psycho, there could be ways to stop it. Mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, I, I don't think a lot of the people who have the money behind a lot of this stuff are smart enough than the people who code it. So uh, the scary thing is there may be a cataclysmic event that has to occur before people can know what stops to put in place. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I don't know, I think, and this is like my movie brain thinking here. I don't really watch too many movies, but I think there'd have to be like some really malicious people out there that have to get tracked down or something to go behind the scenes and, and, and code up all the worst things that can happen with AI. Yeah. And then under the supervision of people who have a conscious, um, then they would have to implement the stops before it. It's like, um, you know, it's like implementing a law before anything altercates, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, they had, um, I think the, Created open AI, whatever they met at the Vatican or something, and you know we're trying to implement you know stops and things like that. So, okay, yeah, cool. but you can't you can't have have a whole bunch of good people trying to do good for the world. You have to have someone who's really evil working with the good people, so you can really figure out like yeah, like what's the worst this can go to. <laughs> yeah, no. um, like if it were me, like like Loki, you have to hire Loki, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and then uh, another skill is networking. That's pretty obvious. Um, these last two I thought were pretty interesting. So it's des designing for natural disasters and personal brand. And that is under the umbrella, umbrella was, of AI? 
of skills people need for the future. And what was and one more time? Designing for natural disasters and personal brand. So designing for natural disasters, I think that one has already been kind of perfected in the West. And I say perfected loosely because, I mean, look at how we design our houses here over here in America. I mean, most and some places in Europe, I haven't been to too many places in Europe, but I mean, it's... It's just we're just cardboard boxes, literally, yeah. and um, I think because of that aspect, or well, that is because of or the lack thereof of natural disasters that occur over here. Um, I mean, but I think with any with that, but I say it's perfected because man has been building. That's one thing we've always been doing, even before fire. We've been building, so like we know how to build things to keep all of us safe. Mm-hmm. I think it's just more so how much do we care about keeping people safe? Yeah. Because even in um, like Antigua, for example, I mean, to build a, a house in Antigua, you have to have a way different mindset and skill set to make a house that's um, able to withstand hurricanes and floods, et cetera, et cetera. And even then, like the whole, like we saw in Barbuda, the whole, like 99% of the island was just decimated because of natural disasters. So um, I think it's not more so a skill set. I think it's just more so how much heart do we have to uh, pump money into places that wouldn't necessarily need it. Yeah. Uh, no, and I then, think, well, in, this, yeah. in this case, the story was saying that like Florida is like the new tech hub of the East Coast and, um, you know, Florida has hurricanes and stuff and it's also sinking. So, you know, down the line, you know, and insurance companies are backing out of Florida because it's so uninsurable. It's like guaranteed that stuff will get destroyed and stuff like that. And, you know, trying to pay out too much. So um, I think, yeah, it was just in regards to that. Yeah, I think time time will show. And what was the second one you said? Sorry. Personal brand. So having a personal brand. Now that one, that one has definitely, I've seen that that in modern day. Like you, you, you could work for a company, but it's like, you know, at least in like like the IT or tech space, it's like, yeah, I have a YouTube channel though where I teach people how to whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, people have both now. Yeah, and I think, so I think last week I mentioned something briefly about uh, employers not wanting to hire entrepreneurial spirited people because of um, the turnaround and how much it would cost. And I think I, what's that guy on YouTube? Um, <laughs> the tech lead guy. <laughs> like yeah. I was a Google tech lead. And then he's like, it's always like, I lost my job at Google because I'm a Google tech, uh, this tech leader or something. He, his, t- his titles are funny. Yeah. But I think, I don't think personal brands have been perfected. I think it's more of like a, how many darts can I throw at this board before I hit a bullseye kind of thing. Um, but I think that skill set is definitely necessary for entrepreneurs. The whole thing about someone buying into something is because of the brand. Yeah. I mean, back to Amazon. Uh, a lot of people, you know, hate Bezos. They never met the man, but they hate Bezos. But it's funny. A lot of these people are either prime members themselves or have someone close to them who are prime members that are still copping from Amazon. They hate Bezos, but they'll buy from Timu. They'll buy from Sheen, which is you know, in, under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a testament to to how strong a brand can be and how much someone will attach themselves to a brand, even though they don't know anything behind the brand. So 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I think perfected natural disasters, how we build houses to prevent them. Perfected and, and if it's not, if something occurs, time will tell and we can figure it out. Personal branding, not perfected just as necessary. Um, I still think it all depends on what we want to get out of the world though. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree. Um, and then last one is uh, the different work styles. So working from home versus in office, offsite work. I don't remember what exactly that is supposed to mean. I, I'm assuming that's just, you know, not working in an office, you know, wherever you want. Oh, I think it's like, um, you know, we rent out like a library or something. Kind of like we work in a way. And mm-hmm. then it's synchronous work. So basically you don't have to work a set schedule. You just have to work eight hours in that day. So, you know, hey, I'm busy today. I got kids at school, blah, blah, blah. So when I get home, I'll do five to one or something. And then the next day I'll do, you know, 12 to eight or something like that. So as long as you get your work done kind of throughout the week, it doesn't have to be at a set schedule. So right. your opinions on that? Um, well, looking at how I want to live my life, I think the latter option you mentioned would probably be the most optimal for me, for my, for my personal oh, lifestyle. Asynchronous work, yeah. I mean, I, I am a, uh, I've always been told I'm a lazy person. I, I wouldn't say so. I just like to do things at my own pace, at my own schedule, in my own time. But I will say, again, from my own life experience of what I've seen, there are certain people who like the idea of having uh, rigidity in their schedule, in their day-to-day life. Yeah. So going into an office, going into a job, uh, to you know, beat the pavement every day works because it gives them that block of time and everything else is, is scheduled around that massive block of time. Um, I do think there are drawbacks to both. So I think without um, any other sort of stability in one's life, asynchronous work wouldn't make much sense. Yeah. Because like if you're homeless and you want to do asynchronous work, it's just like, okay, I have seven days to complete this project. I have two days to find out where I'm going to shower. Um, next, I have to find out where I'm going to get Wi-Fi to do this asynchronous work. Um, as opposed to someone who goes in every day um, without any... If, if someone is, is, is not entrepreneurial, then it works out perfectly because I mean, all they do is go to work, come home, watch some TV. You know, they find time to fit in the gym. They find time to do et cetera, et cetera. And there's no better or worse. I would just say it all depends on what someone wants to do with themselves in five, 10 years, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree. I think um, I can do it. I've done it before, asynchronous work, but in general, you can't really get any momentum done that way. Um, I think there's, I think it's like periods. I think there's, for most people, I mean, the, the, the normal work day is built around when the sun is up and when the sun goes down. So I think that's perfect. Like, right. Um, you know, I'd probably maybe move it up a little bit more. So like six to two or something. So, um, you know, I've, I've noticed my sleep is much better when I'm like up earlier and when I go to bed before, you know, midnight or whatever. Um, facts. So I would say, yeah, that I'd have like a little bit more of a farmer schedule, older man schedule. And then, you know, I'd tweak it as I need. Like, okay, I just came back from vacation. You know, I'm going to sleep in a little bit today. Maybe get up at, you know, normal nine or whatever. But in general, I would keep it the same. And then, you know, depending on what else is going on, you know, I would, you know, flip-flop it and, you know, move it as necessary. But in general, I would probably have still a, a, a pretty same schedule because, I mean, 
I don't, you know, I'm not, it's not like I have a million things going on, you know, so, right. So I don't really need to modulate that much. I think one more, yeah, one more thing on that in that same breath too. I was just looking at it from, like I said, how I want to live my life and the mm-hmm. whole music thing and, and the podcast thing and just doing things in audio and, and just different eclectic yeah, it itself work. yeah, different eclectic lines of work. I think from what I've seen from like, I've seen a J. Cole interviews and Eminem interviews where they treat music like it's a job. They go to the studio for eight hours a day. They leave the studio. They don't do anything else with music. And I can see where where it benefits them, uh, how it benefits them in that aspect. But I do know of other musicians who go to the studio. You know, they rather just vamp life it, you know, and just stay up all night and then figure it out day by day. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, let's do how it works with your creative process. Um, yeah, I think you know they're probably a little bit more type A. You know, Cole and Eminem, so that rigidity and schedule and structure is good. And then you got you know, um, you know, people like. Yeah, like a Travis Scott or like a Ian um, and Keith who like, yeah, I won't make music for two months and then I will make seven albums. <laughs> so, yeah, but then then I think that the type B, that lends itself to more asynchronous work because, yeah, um, I mean, someone like a Travis or a Keith, we know they have brands outside of the music, Glow Gang, uh, Cactus Jack. Um, but then someone with a type A Eminem and J. Cole, they're making bread literally off the music. They get they get millions for a feature. They're selling out stadiums. So I mean, yeah. I'm not saying Keith and Travis aren't selling out stadiums, but you know, it's just a juxtaposition. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, that was it for me. So um, you know, that's yeah. It. So I'll just take it from here. So um, let's see here. I think I, I was going to talk about some music stuff. Um, I think I'll dive more into uh, some. Let's I, let's talk about this 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 topic. Actually, this this has been weighing on my mind in, for quite a while. I haven't read a book cover to cover in so long, and um, I've been diving deeper into audiobooks. and um, it's just so, so hard finding stuff to read when I feel complete. If that makes any sense, because yeah. before. Um, when I used to read, unless oh, we got some time left. Okay, I mean we could chop it and start a new one, and then we we'll just mesh it together for anything. Um, but when we're all reading the same things, it kind of lends the whole world to a group think. Because when I was really on some soul searching stuff, I was reading Forty Eight Laws, Art of Seduction, Laws of Human Nature, the Bhagavad Gita, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Um. Does any contemporary book I can find that the greats before me had have read? How do you feel about um, mainstream book media and us reading all the same things? And how do you find things to read or or to fill your noggin with information when you when you're yearning for something? Yeah, um, I think. I mean, I've always said, kind of with any practice, like you kind of use it as you need it um, because it should be a point where you just embody it. Instead of, um, you know, the reading is to get it to sink in and whatever. Um, but right. once it's in, it's like now I just am that thing, you know. Hey, you know, get up at 6 a.m. and take a cold shower. I don't need to read about it anymore because I just do it. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, you kind of get to a place of like stagnancy, I guess. Or, you know, oh, what's next? What, you know, I'm yearning for something else. But I think that getting there, um, you need to like kind of do the opposite now. Just, just be okay with 
what is like, everything's going smooth i don't got anything to worry about like you it's kind of at a point where you like almost create problems to then mm-hmm. cycle or whatever but you know there's there's points where you literally just are at the bouncing top so just enjoy right. the top and then you know as things come along whatever but i think to combat that as a whole um keep yourself um always learning like a new skill or something that you find interesting because then that is kind of like a sea of like limitless knowledge like you know even you know if you're a day trader if you know you make wooden crafts or whatever there's always some new thing to learn about or something you're interested in like you know like um i don't know like basketball i watch like the history or like um delving into different players that i find uh lives and stuff like that you know so just Mm -hmm. keep it interesting but yeah there's not you with self-help and development is like it becomes an addiction of its own where it's like yeah definitely constantly trying to I got to get better. I got to get whatever, blah, blah, blah. You can't be leveling up all the time. There's times where you got to, you know, rest is important. Rest is where you build your muscle. You don't build your muscle being in the gym all the time. So, right. And wow. I kind of, I like, I like drawing references to video games, it's like Pokemon. Like, once you train in a certain spot, it's either, well, one, you can't train your Pokemon to level 100 at the, at Pallet Town, you know, firstly. Secondly, it's like you got to go out there and actually battle and, and, and acquiesce and, and, you know, make your way through the game than just sit there and just, you know, just train all day because that defeats the whole purpose of beating the game of life, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a precarious. I mean, everything comes back to, you know, balance at the end of the day, you know, left and the right, up and down. No, gotcha. so, so. And then I, I think I'll, uh, I'll wrap up with this question because we've got six minutes left here. Um, let's see here. I think I'll pick, let's do unconventional strategies for quick gains. And or, what would you do with the, with five thousand dollars? So let me elaborate. So, um, let's say someone is working towards, let's say the first thousand or five thousand. Um, what would you do with that, knowing your life now, to, I guess, uh, double it to two to ten thousand, and then what would you do with that money? Uh, afterwards, you know, to kind of like treat yourself. Okay, so I have five thousand, and I'm trying to double it. And then, what would I do with that once it's doubled? Well, how would you how would you get to five thousand? Let's say how would you get to five thousand in six months? Five thousand in six months. Hmm, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you got to do something on the side. That's the the best way to earn money is make more. Saving your way is not going to help because it's not. Yeah. But always have the expense versus that. Um, yeah, I'd probably do what's the what's the best thing to do right now? Probably DoorDash, um, Uber Eats, something like that. Um, if I have a skill, I'd do freelancing on the side. Um, yeah, you know, day trading maybe. Um, but yeah, I would. You'd have to do something on the side. That's how I would get that at first. And yeah, then, for work. Yeah, and then to double it, etc. Keep doing what you're doing and then, um, you know, maybe, now, yeah, you have to take a little bit of a risk. Um, the only thing that'd be quick like that that you could do, I think, is like putting money on like sports betting, but that's like too risky because, you know, the guys who actually make that as like a living, like they have like so many, they do the same statisticians that make the odds for the games and stuff. So they know how to do that well and their bankroll is already like really high. Right, but I mean, right. something like that, you know, maybe following one of their plays, um, trading, you know, kind of just putting, you know, a decent sum on something, you know, a nice one to two, 
one to four, you know, risk to reward ratio on like a trade, put a rack down on that. And, you know, hopefully it goes in your favor or something, but it's, it's really hard to, uh, it's really hard to get money quickly. Like the only way is if you already have it and then, you know, just kind of just it, once it rains, it pours, but to get to that, you know, as the millionaires always say that first hundred thousand is impossible nearly. And then after that, it's like, I'm not even trying. And it's just, you know, it keeps rolling in. Yeah. All right. I think we could wrap up with that. I think, I think next podcast we'll, we'll pick back up from there, but um, you can, you can send us off. Yeah. So um, definitely this has been a great combo. You guys, um, you know, always, always lovely here at the culture connectors. Uh, big shout out to, I guess my immune system, you know, this could have been a lot worse. Congestion's already pretty much gone um, and everything like that. Um, I guess shout out, you know, to the weather and everything, you know, even though it's not optimal, you know, it still has its, its purpose, you know, um, shedding of the old and bringing in the new and everything like that. Um, thankful, you know, for gainful employment, thankful for, um, you know, having shelter, you know, just basic things, uh, been practicing gratitude a lot more. So, you know, you can always look at the world and the doom and gloom, but you know, there's always an opposite side to that as well. So, um, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Thankful for this podcast. We're almost 20 episodes deep. Thankful for my co-host. Thankful for my, my mother, father, my rich dad, my poor dad. Um, thankful for stainless, stainless global. Thankful for the internet for teaching me a lot of the things that I would have not known through schooling. Um, yeah. And just gratitude is very important. I, I concur with that to the, to that sentiment, uh, sentiment. Um, yeah, I don't want to ramble, so that's all I got for now. All right. Well, this has been another episode of uh, the Culture Connectors, and we will uh, catch you next week. Stay safe, everybody. Peace.